Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss. For about 30 minutes, we're going to dig a little deeper with ASX and a list of small cap companies. They're focused the future, the highs and lows, and what's next. And the part of the conversation is to get to know our guests at a personal level, their experiences, their mentors, slip slides, even down to their coffee of choice and life away from the share price and all the business channel, of course, an investment making decision. But today's guest is a little different. He's a partner in PKF. His name is Peter Sinclair. And he joins us in the hot seat today. Pete, appreciate you coming in. Thank you very much, Tim. Appreciate you having me here. And something a little bit new. Uh, I did ask you uh, pre-recording to say, have you listened to any of the podcasts? He said, no, I'm a blank canvas. And I said, that makes two of us, mate. So we could sit here and talk about absolutely the wrong stuff for the next 30 minutes. Absolutely. Let's do it. Tell us a bit about PKF. Just ex- explain to our listeners, again, who are listening to the podcast right now, what PKF stands for and what it does. So PKF, I think going back in the day, is a panel curve foster. So it's an old accounting firm, a global accounting firm. So we're locally owned in West Perth, but a national and international firm. We've got about 70 and 80 staff. We're accounting by trade. Um, we do audit, tax, financial planning, and the like. Um, yeah, so we've got full range of services. We sit in the mid-tier space, and we service a lot of the mid-tier market, including a lot of um, mid-cap corporates in the ASX space. 1968, I think PKF was established, if I read that right. Yes, I think it was going back through the history. Um, it was an old David Mack. So he was the one that started and I think he's been um, circulating around in the Perth property market for some time now. So he started the firm and it's grown from there to what it is today. It's it's a brand and, we, and we've seen it. It, it does to be, it is described, your network comprises of over 800 talented professionals and more than 100 partners, and you talk about that mid-cap, a lot of ours are uh, small to mid. Um, how has that grown over the journey? How is that, uh, and how's it continuing to grow, and, and how do they get attached to PKF? Yeah, so it, I started at PKF probably about six years ago, six, seven years ago, um, came across from KPMG specialising in corporate tax, um, and our corporate, I guess, Clients have grown since then. We're probably up to about 40 to 50 odd ASX listeds in the tax space and around the 20 probably in the audit. So um, as the firm's been growing in size and number of staff, um, I guess we've attracted more in that space and had a bit of a targeted approach around those. Um, So yeah, I think it's just one of those things that's kind of naturally evolved with um, the brand. Um, They took that on. I think they were Mac and Co., maybe 15 years ago, and then picked up the PKF name. So I think the branding um, at a national and international level has really helped that from clients' recognition of that name, um, which is also attracted. So, But we're out there doing what we can and spruiking the firm and saying, obviously, we're capable. So, yeah. Well, more than capable. You're a partner with PKF. Tell, tell someone like me the partner's role with a company of this reputation and size and success to, as opposed to just being a worker? What's your, what's your, what's your, what's your chips in attitude and how do you have to go about this? Yeah, it's funny the um, evolution through being the worker through to the manager through to a partner. Um, I guess as a manager, you're probably overlooking a lot of work, controlling that, and then coming through to the partner, um, you're actually running a business and you've got to be not just across the area that you work in, you've got to cross all areas and you've got to look at the future trajectory and growth of the firm and where that's going and matters like leases of property and the like, so, which we're currently working through. 
So it's been interesting stepping into that space in the last three, four years myself. Um, there's been a, a very steep learning curve. Um, and yeah, on a day-to-day basis, it's not just, you know, the work, it's really the client relationship aspects and the business development aspects as well. So, um, as I mentioned before, um, you know, Fridays don't entail much work generally. They probably entail a couple of lunches and the relationship building and that side of things, which are, um, critically important for, um, retaining and growing your business. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, again, we, and we say this loosely, but it is a fair bit of pressing the flesh and being seen and, and entertaining clients and trying to invite clients to come through to the business, which is important. Now we're doing this on the first day of spring and you're heading to a lunch today, David Mundy's farewell. Yep. Um, is that a link through PK ever? Is that a link through being a Fremantle Dockers supporter? What's the... Well, I'm actually a West Coast supporter and uh, I was our our marketing manager, Scott Gooch, who's done a fantastic job at our firm um, and obviously marketing the brand. I saw Gucci the other day. Oh, did you? The the basketball. Yes. Yeah. Rio Tinto. Yes. WA Basketball, Wildcats and Perth Link. And I think there's a couple of people on the table today that are from Basketball WA, so small world Perth. But um, yeah, it was through an invitation from Scott, um, who was obviously involved very heavily with the Dockers, um, knowing very well that as a West Coast supporter, but I love football in general. So I'm not one of those one-eyed supporters that don't like to see Fremantle win. I'm very happy to see them do well. And I think um, just supporting WA football in general is um, a good thing. Very happy to go along to that. And um, yeah, yeah, exactly right. But is that part of this job? And and I know we talk about you, we say it lightly, oh, you're going to lunch, but we talk about building relationships. Is, is it important? Is it an important part of what you do? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's probably more, it's probably more important with the relationships and building, um, than knowing what you're doing most of the time. You got to be able to back up what you are doing, but most of the work that we'd win or jobs that we do are built on relationships and maintaining that relationship. Um, so obviously going out to lunches, with existing clients or opportunities to mingle and network with new potential clients is, um, very important. You just got to put yourself out there. Um, but yeah, most people don't know what you do. They just take it for granted that you know what you're doing. So it's really those relationships that I think that make a important and growing business to make sure that you're, um, yeah, getting out of there. What are you seeing in the ASX listed space at the moment from your vantage point? Um, I think there's probably a bit of a tightening in, um, people's appetite for, um, throwing money at companies. Um, I think it was even yesterday, I'm sure a very credible source of news.com, but, um, that was a report from, I think it was Stock Doctor or something that said about 75% of ASX listed companies are in some form of financial distress, which doesn't surprise me. And kind of in the kind of junior explorer mid-market space, there's, a lot of spending of money on projects and investment, then you need to go raise more capital or get funding. And those particular companies are in a lot of, you know, I guess, financially constrained. And as we're all aware with the current cost pressures, um, inflation and, you know, resources being tight around staffing, um, that's the general gripe that I hear very commonly at the moment, um, that you're paying a lot more for getting a lot less as well. May it be a drilling program for a journey explorer or finding geologists and general staff out there. It's, it's very tight and you're just unfortunately paying a lot more at the moment. Um, and yeah, the raising of capital is probably tightening up, but there's still 
for clients that I know are some very good projects and getting some good attention, there's still appetite for those. So I think it's those ones probably down the smaller and that maybe not have as much media attention or knowing that the projects will advance that they're the ones that are probably struggling a little bit as well. Yeah, well, we've uh, had uh, some almost 30, I think, through uh, small cap companies, you know, and some who have had a lot of success, some who are incredibly excited. Um, from your vantage point, when you're, when you're talking to uh, companies, ASX-listed companies, uh, whether they be small or, or mid-range or even on the upper end, um, do you have to sift through the... Put, uh, what's real and what's not real, and and is 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 PKF uh, a bit of a stopping point for all of them to say, hey, you need to smell the roses here in regards to how you're going and when you're doing an audit and or in tax or whatever that may. Be. Oh, absolutely. I think through the ones that particularly audit, um, there's always this going concern principle, which is making sure that that company can continue its operations and pay its debts when they're due. Um, but all by all means, I mean, all these ASX listeds have very good generally corporate governance around them and a board of directors to make sure that they are on track and they can actually pay their debts and as and when they fall due and they're not going to fall into a heap. So I think we probably don't pay as much of a role in that, but you generally know how they're ticking along and if capital's tight and whether they need to go to raise, go to market to raise more funds and, you know, we'll assist with those types of things for our corporate finance as well. And whether they're looking for a new debt facility to fund their project or they do need to go to market and raise capital, we're looking at different areas and supporting where we can. Um, but generally, yeah, sometimes the writing's on the wall. Um, but, you know, you help out where you can, but more often than not, they'll come to you, hopefully. So it comes as an honest system, really. I mean, you're, you're providing a service for the best part and they're coming to you and, you know, they're obviously, uh, they're a client of yours. Do the hard decisions get made? Do you make the hard decision on their behalf sometimes where they say, hey, Tell us what your advice is, where we go from this. And with, with, for the want of a, a simple term, do you wrap them up at times and might say, hey, look. No, I don't think any good can come from wrapping it up and telling them what they want to hear. Um, we definitely don't have to make the hard decisions. There's often advice or things that will deliver that does give them the harsh reality of the situation um, or something that does result in adverse implications. But I think... For the board, who is the ultimate decision makers, they need to be informed and educated on the consequences, implications for them to make that decision themselves. But um, sugarcoating anything is never going to help anyone. So I think people need to just understand pros, cons, implications to make that informed decision. Okay. So tell us, and I'm sure all of the, 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 the companies that are listening to this podcast right now are aware of your role, what PKF does and, and, and like-minded businesses like yours, but Tell us why your company stands out and why they, if they're looking for advice in this space, why they should be looking at PKF. It's a very good question. Um, there's a lot of mid-tier accounting firms out there and we'll pl play a similar role, particularly in the tax and the audit space. But I believe PKF differentiates itself. We're a very competitively priced firm delivering quality services, I believe. Um, and all accounting firms are probably likely to say that as well, but I do genuinely believe that, um, compared to other firms like, uh, BDO or, uh, RSM or a little bit larger, um, but value for money in terms of what we provide. I think we're not trying to cheapen our services by any means, but I think, um, the quality of service that you'll see from PKF, um, is definitely up there 
with the likes of the big four, which you'll pay four times the price for. So I think we sit at a good price point in the market with quality and price that is generally appealing for the mid-cap space as well. I don't need to pay a premium. I think it's probably like using a car analogy, you're paying probably for a Maserati in the big four and you're kind of down to a Mercedes and a BMW around the mid-tier space where you're still getting great value for money, but quality. Tell us about your experience with uh, ESG and, and Parvate ESG. Yeah, so I guess our experience at PKF is a bit twofold. Um, firstly, we saw a space in the market for ESG. Um, we currently don't provide any services directly via PKF. Um, and through some previous um, business relationships we had with the guys at Parvate ASG, we got together and thought it'd be great to do a collaborative approach to providing services to our clients in ESG. So that is only going to grow in prevalence from a funding perspective and tenders that we've been doing and the like um, around ESG. And from that, we can see in the accounting space, particularly um, audit, um, that that's only going to grow in the reporting requirements. So that's going to dovetail quite nicely into our audit team and the requirements there. But similarly, the other thing PKF have um, gotten into is doing ESG on our own firm itself. So we've worked very closely with Jim Allenby, the MD of Parvat ESG, to undertake an initial audit and review on an ESG from our firm, which has been a great approach to kind of see where we are and where we may need to get to. Um, obviously, on the environment side, there's probably not as much as we can do, but the social side is huge for us with the people um, aspects and what we're doing for mental health and wellbeing and the like. But it's been um, a great process to work through with Jim and the team to actually understand where we're currently at and give us some forward-looking approach to what improvements we can actually make because I think that's the greatest difficulty that most clients find is the starting point and this audit and review process that gives you a bit of a starting point to work forward on has been um, fantastic. Peter Sinclair is our guest PKF partner and of course and we are talking on ASX Market Goss. Um, in regards to uh, any guest that comes in, I like to sort of get to know them and uh, you've already tipped in that you're a West Coast Eagles supporter. I'd like to know what your first step in your working day is. So you've done what you need to do at home hmm. and you go into the headspace of work. It's the first thing you do. Headspace of work. So generally the day before that I've left the office or the night that I've put down the tools, I'd generally plan out the next day. Doesn't always go to plan with a number of phone calls coming through, so every day can shift. But the first thing I generally do is when I go into the office is take stock of the kind of highest priorities and try to work through those as best I can. But every day is different. Every day is interrupted. It could be a client calling in with an urgent matter. It could be a staff-related issue. Um, but generally, just go in there and try to punch out as much work as I can because prior to getting into work, I'm dealing with three kids and then going home in the evening, dealing with the three kids. So it's, it's a busy life in that regard. So when I go to work, I try to work as hard as I can, efficiently as I can. Um, but you know, every day is riddled with meetings and so it's hard to get through. Um, but touching base with staff as well is an important aspect to make sure that they're keeping on with what they need to and getting that moving along and working to deadlines and the like. So. Yeah. So I'm interested to know about that. We're, and let's go back. We're almost going back about 10 minutes where you talked about, you know, the, being a, a partner. So your role changes from being the worker and it's always all looking after 
clients and now you're looking after staff and making yep. staff decisions. Um, have you got that balance right? I believe so. Um, personally for me, I think so. Um, it's always a fine balance with anything in life, um, work, life, client, staff, um, paying attention. I think. What are you good at? What am I good at? What are you good at in the staff space? Look, I think I'm very good at the technical work that I do, I believe. In terms of the staffing space, I do like to, um, yeah, deal with the people side of things. Um, you're a good people person here? I believe so to a certain extent. Um, but I used to do a lot of interviews and graduate recruitment through other firms that I worked at before in KPMG. Um, now similarly, I think, um, people are our most important resource. So keeping them happy, um, engaged, motivated is very important as well as, um, retaining and attracting new because, um, unfortunately it's always a bit of a revolving door where no matter where you go, that staff are coming in and staff are going out. Um, so yeah, I think we've just spent, as I mentioned before, the, um, the resource market's quite tight and I think um, you go to a more niche space like I work in corporate tax and we spent the last two years trying to find someone, but fortunately we have now found someone and that's been, um, yeah, a real battle, but kind of dealing with those things as well because obviously, you know, having another extra resource on board is going to free my time up to go focus on probably what I should, which is keeping the rest of the team happy and growing the firm as How well. big is the office that you deal with? How many people work inside your building? Um, I think we've got about 70 to 80 staff. So yeah, I can actually see the building right behind you. So it's, um, across two floors, um, we're in the master building, master builders building, um, just in West Perth, top of Havelock street. Um, and yeah, we're spread across two floors and we've got different divisions in each of those areas, but the tax team is probably around, oh gosh, 30 to 40 people in there at the moment. So yeah, and we're always constantly looking. I think we're a few short at the moment and a bit under-resourced, as many accounting firms currently are. Um, but I actually saw that. I, I think I saw that on LinkedIn. You've got a couple of vacancies there. Yeah, there's a few LinkedIn um, things that were posted recently. One's been for an HR manager that we're looking for. Um, we're always on the lookout for tax candidates. We're always on the lookout for audits. So. Why is staff retention so hard? I know, you, and again, you don't, I think it's like anything. It's, it's like an industry. We have people looking for a, a better opportunity and stuff like that. Are, are you, um, when you look at your staff and you talk about the, you know, the 60 or 70 staff that you've got, ha, ha, how many of that are, are they long-term and what's, what's the attraction for PK? We've actually had a really good retention rate of staff. Um, I know on our tax team, it was said about 30 odd people. There's probably barely been a three leave in the last couple of years, which has been great. So, um, considering the market, but retaining them is very important, but also attracting employees and being an employer of choice as most kind of firms would refer to it as, um, the thing that attracted me, I guess, in the first place, speaking from my own journey was the work-life balance. Um, a lot of firms spruik that, but PKF, I believe truly lives that. And I myself will be an example and demonstrate that to staff generally, when you've got three young kids at home and work to balance as well, that it's important to strike that balance correctly. And one of the reasons that I left the big four world was because I ended up with twin boys, um, and working very long hours and wasn't finding the balance. So I stepped back into the mid-tier space and went through and had a look at a few firms and PKF stood out as a great firm to me. Um, and now I've been there ever since for the last six or seven years, but, um, they did 
truly say that, you know, got the work-life balance there and ever since I've stepped foot in there, that has been there. So I think our staff are generally happy and engaged um, because they've got that balance. Yeah, and we've preempted a question because that's often the question I ask any of the guests that come in to this uh, studio is in regards to work-life balance. More on that in a brief moment. If you walk into your office space and we're in a nice uh, studio right now, it's a big white wall. What's your motto? What's your, what's your work motto like? If you were to walk in and people to say, right, this is Peter Sinclair, PKF, tell us what your work motto is. What do you work by? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, my work motto probably is, I um, kind of think I can give you a punchy line, but it is work hard whilst you're at work. Yeah. Be engaged, be focused. Um, I think people far too often procrastinate and don't, probably tackle those difficult tasks and put those in the too hard basket. Um, but I think delving into issues, getting it done, not procrastinating and being focused, um, and actually getting work done is super important because, um, we work to deadlines and obviously work to client expectations and not getting those done is very problematic. And when your time poor and it only gets worse as you get older, when things creep in that you've maybe got a partner and then a wife and then kids and then the kids sports, um, using your time wisely is just critical. And the earlier you can do that and use it wisely, the better. So no procrastination, work hard whilst you're at work, <laughs> but, but there is time and a place to have fun as well. And I think, you know, that that's, that's the balance. So I, I, I don't want to walk around. Do you yeah. Are you a hover at peak? No, I'm abs absolutely not a micromanager. Mm. I will give people the comp complete trust to take forward a job and work on client matters. So long. Sounds like your company wouldn't. I mean, people that work there, you talk about retention and, and, and you talk about it. Sounds like they're all they're all on the same page. They know what's expected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's there's no micromanaging in our business. It's just supporting um, and guiding where they need help and, you know, they know to put their hand up if that's the case. So absolutely not. I would not want to put myself in that basket and I apologise to anyone who thinks I have been. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more on you personally in a moment. I just want to take you back again to, to the PKF and in regards to um, some of the pitfalls for clients. And when you look out into that, uh, into the space of, of companies that want to come on board or some that you would take care of there. What are some of their pitfalls that you wish you could advise them before they jumped in? Yeah, I guess for particularly the ASX listed space in the corporate, um, is structuring. I think far too often the client or board probably don't want to, and money's tight generally when you're obviously starting these and you're raising capital and every dollar counts and you want to go to a good cause. But I think structure of your projects and assets, whether they sit within one company or four companies and tax consolidated groups and things like that. Far too often I see the damage is done, you know, three years down the track if they don't get the advice upfront when they need to go speak to their advisors, say, we're doing this, what does it look like? Making sure the funding structure's right, the capital structure's right, and the corporate structure looks right. So assets sit where they should and things are set up right from the get-go. Rather than jumping boots and all, is that having patience? And I think it's more of a matter of cost-saving measure more often that I see that they just jump straight into it. I know what I'm doing. It's easy enough to stick into a company or do that without giving too much due consideration to the actual, what this means in the long run. So to the greatest extent, there's a lot of companies out there that probably won't make a dollar, but 
if you do, you need to set yourself up for that. And I think far too often that when they do make a dollar, that's when it comes back to bite them. So my advice would be actually taking some sound advice when you are venturing into this space and you're going to list or you even are listed that the earlier you get on top of your structure and you know where you're going because everything needs to plan for the future that you're going to be successful is done up front, not when you get to that point because the damage is done. How hard is it to get out, uh, to dig yourself out, so to speak? Without getting too technical, um, sometimes you can't. Um, Sometimes the damage is done and you're not going to get benefit for all the money you've previously spent sometimes um, in regards to carried forward tax losses, if I was just speaking. Um, But there's always a way forward. Um, It's just salvaging what you can from where you are. Not all is lost, but it's probably not the optimal position that you'd want to be in. What about the successes then? What about the successes when you see the company go to the companies that come and they're clients of yours and you're handling their affairs that you have this great relationship and they're reaping the benefits of it because they've got everything right. You're, you're doing your job. They're doing their job. The beneficiaries are the investors, the shareholders. I mean, what about those wins? Yeah, look, that, that's good times. I think um, the, the success stories are probably few and far between, particularly in the junior explorer space. So when they do take off, they're, they're fantastic. And it's great well, if you've been... say that? When I interview them here, I always walk out of this room and go, wow, like their sell, their pitch, their long, short, midterm philosophies are... I mean, I'm not an investor due to the obvious reason of having a mortgage and three children and yeah. expenses. But how how do you sort of you talk about the the, the few and far between wins of some of these couples? Well, the reality of the junior explorer space is that they need funding to develop and advance these projects, and that that is very difficult, very often to find the capital from either investors or find the funders that would provide debt facilities to advance projects. So there's quite a lot of junior explorers and mid-caps out there with great projects, but far too often you probably see that they haven't got the funding right or they haven't been able to obtain that. So a lot of them, as I said, probably will never turn a dollar. And you see a lot of these companies come through onto the market, but there are ones that have some great projects out there. And there's probably some other ones that have great projects that just have been unsuccessful in getting the funding to advance them. But those ones that have got the funding and have got a great project and have got the attention um, and the success stories um, are more limited, but they're great to be involved with because, as I said, it's, it's good times and there's a lot of excitement around that. They've got the media attention. You get other big investors come on and there's a few of our clients that have had that happen in the recent times. So seeing them grow from, you know, the 10 million to 50 to hundred up to, you know, half a billion kind of market cap is, yeah, it's exciting. Life away from your job. Uh, you talked about your, your family and you can go as far into this as you want. What, what's, what interests you apart from three children and, and, and the like? I mean, are you a, do you play sport? Are you a cyclist? Do you go to the gym? Do you read? Do you, what do you, do you watch your streaming service? What do you, what, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I do get a bit of time. It's a busy life, um, working the five days a week plus and with the kids and dealing with them and ferrying them around. Um, look, I used to play football and that's where my love of football came from. Um, played down at Subi Resi's for a couple of years down there until I started kind of working. Um, have continued on with keeping fit and doing a 
run and gym weekly if I can. Um, the young kids keep me active enough, but yeah, my interests outside of work generally is, um, keeping as active as I can, but similarly running around after kids. Um, I make lunch boxes five days a week for the kids. So it's up nice and early from six doing that. And, um, kids sports, I was the Auskick coach for them nice. the last few years as well, which has been, um, fun. really, yeah, it's really giving. Um, I, I love it. Um, it's, yeah. Exciting to run around there with the kids. Um, so I hope to continue that going travel. forward. Travel. Um, I do travel a lot. My wife is a travel bug. Um, she has previously got us going on holidays, left, right and center prior to kids and has continued that trend. So we just, we spent a week in Bali recently. That's the first time for a long time since I've been to Bali in the COVID times. Um, been to Broome. I'm going to Broome in October this year. Um, go to Europe. Do I read? Not a great deal. It's funny. I don't know what my parents did to me, but my brother and I um, do not read for leisure. I've read a lot of textbooks and I still read a lot of technical um, stuff, but in terms of reading for leisure, I do not. And I, I don't know what happened because my brother, who's a doctor, similarly does not read and we just don't. I'd rather watch a football game or some TV or watch the actual movie or the books, so. Yeah, um, with you. Yeah. I get that. And, and and what do you stream if you're watching a series? What's, what's, what what series has taken your fancy over the journey? Oh, gosh. I, a number of things. My wife and I do like to probably relax and sit on the couch for a couple of hours once the kids are down watching a, a movie or some shows. Um, currently, we're watching The Block. Um, she's very into <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, you know, um, watching other people renovate the house is more exciting than renovating your own, that's for sure. I've lived and breathed that and that's not much fun. Um, yeah, but I mean, thinking off the top of what we probably stream, um, there's a fine balance in our house because my, I quite like the horror themes and stuff like that, but my wife's not very into that. She'll <laughs> stay very clear of that. Um, but other shows, I can't even recall too many off the top of my head, to be honest. But you do get time. You get time away from the... Yeah. The numbers, the staff, the clients. Yeah, where possible. And I think that's a bit of a downtime. They call it an idiot box for a reason. You can kind of just like zone out, switch off a bit, um, just get that little bit of downtime at the back end of the evening where possible to yeah, switch off and yeah, just zone out. Last couple for you, Peter Sinclair, our guest, of course, our partner with PKF and uh, really that the, the journey of PKF and, and regards to their involvement with companies who are on board uh, through audit or tax or whatever they may be, and you might be a, a client of PKF, so we'd look forward to your feedback. Um, just in, in wrapping up, ju just in regards to um, the future, how does the future look uh, in your space, in PKF's space, but also space of possible clients coming on board or and, and, the, aware, and, the, and the traps and where they need to sort of... Uh, keep themselves on guard and be aware of what the future looks like. Yeah. So I think the, the future is always strong. And I mean, most of our clients are in the mining space and WA, you know, in the mining sector has always been fueling the economy. So I think there's always going to be strong growth and future, a positive future outlook. Um, PKF, um, similarly, we've been growing and expanding our corporate space and hope to Look to make a, a move in the future, possibly to the city that we're contemplating that will hopefully grow that brand presence because we're the largest accounting firm still outside of the city. Um, but I think the future is bright. I think it's just for everyone at the moment getting the um, 
the resourcing right. And if we can all strike the balance of getting the resourcing right while managing the cost pressures that we're all facing, um, the future looks promising and bright, I believe. So, and I think that's better to tell that story than any damning negative kind of outlook. But um, no, I think it, it's it's challenging environment that we do face um, with inflationary pressures. But I think um, WA is always a little bit more sheltered than probably other states and territories. So I think um, fortunately we'll hope to keep that going and you know get consumer confidence back up there and investing in projects as well. Now, one question I ask all of our guests, and I probably should have done it earlier, but I'll do it at the end. Coffee. Do you drink it? Do you have a coffee of choice? I absolutely love coffee. I did not drink coffee until I had my twin boys and heard that'll give you the boost and wake you up in the morning. So, and now ever since I probably drink too much coffee, as my wife tells me. My choice of coffee is a flat white with oat milk, which is a bit of a, I, I think there's a bit of contention with maybe people drinking oat milk and whether that's viewed favorably, but I, I like it. So it's my drink of choice and yeah, probably, you know. Where do you get it? Where do I get it? Mostly it's just instant coffee, actually. I'm not, I don't use a coffee machine at work, but um, I do enjoy a barista made coffee on the weekend or when I go out to a cafe and lunches. But more often than not, it's just straight instant, three, three teaspoons of that, bang it in with oat milk and I love it. So Keeps me going. I look forward to it each morning and afternoon when I knock one back. We've enjoyed our chat with you, Peter. Peter Sinclair from PKF. Another episode of ASICS Market Goss is done and dusted. We love your feedback. Make a comment, like us, share us, tell us your colleague, tell your colleagues, counterparts or the community, spread the word. And if you are a client of PKF, make sure you listen to know more about Peter Sinclair and the company and where they're heading as well. It sounds exciting. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, RSS.com. Of course, uh, let us know where you're listening. Leave that comment. Peter, thanks for coming in. We appreciate the chat. I greatly appreciate your time, Dean. Thanks so much for having me. Peter Sinclair joining us. Keep an ear and eye out for our next episode. Until then, we'll just keep on digging to find out more guests to chat with on their ASX journey on ASX Market. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.